Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic music, video, and art. I'm David Kasdan, a Messianic Jewish filmmaker, artist, and musician. The only announcement for the week is that you can download Echad Records' free audio CD. It's available on echadrecords.com. It includes music from my band, The Pair Republic, Downpour, which is the band that you just heard, and many more. Once again, I'm interviewing my fellow bandmate, Mark Erickson. He's a current lead singer and guitarist of The Pair Republic and The Trees Will Know. We talk about forming the band The Pair Republic and the recording process for our first album. For more information on The Pair Republic, you can go to www.facebook.com slash thepairrepublic, youtube.com slash thepairrepublic, or you can search for us on CD Baby iTunes, Amazon, etc. One note, I didn't press record immediately at the beginning of the interview, so it cuts off the beginning of the question where I ask him about the meaning of the name Netzer. Branch, the word branch in Hebrew. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, like Netzah or Netzer. And um, when I first heard the name, I was like, what is this? This is like, like, this reminded me of this. uh, There's a Christian music compilation called Seltzer a long time ago. It kind of reminded (laughs) me of that, actually. So it's like Seltzer water. But uh, yeah, Netzer, and then it's, it's uh, and it comes from Isaiah 11, I think specifically, it was why you guys chose the name and it means branch branch and that uh, in the bible that would indicate the branch of the jesse the branch of david the uh where mashiach messiah would come from and then also it's like a branch of music too kind of sticks out there we're, we're like an offshoot of uh of messianic music <laughs> kind of branch <laughs> out yeah. into the into the rock side of things so that's, I guess that's kind of my pick on it. Okay, that's cool. What kind of name would seltzer be? Is that like... I think it's like seltzer water. Were they like uh, trying to come up with like names? Like, okay, well, we got... Was it like a pop music compilation? That would kind of make a little sense. Um, no, it was like, yeah, pop music. <laughs> like like soda pop. Right, right. Um, no, I think it was like a rock. I think they were just trying to... I don't know why they named it that. Just a weird was, name to get attention. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's an album title or something. No, it's just like it's better than WoW or Now Music, that type of thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, or at least, I don't know, to me, it's, that sounds more interesting. Right. It's, it was pretty random. Maybe it's because, I don't know. Well, it's not too sugary, so it's not too pop. <laughs> it's just the seltzer. But no, I have, I have no idea. Okay. Just, hey. That's what Red Netzer reminded me of. Yeah, maybe I'm biased because I, I never got the the point of that. Other than, you know, I got never got the point of it as a drink uh, or something. Yeah, neither did I. My mom drinks it, more, but 
Yeah. We drink good cranberry juice. That's better. Any cranberry juice? Yeah, I mean, it's good for like mixing in with other. Oh, okay. Things, not just straight gotcha. water. I think we covered all the concerts that we did except for our acoustic farewell concert. Um, okay. So what did we do for that? Well, I think did we play in the synagogue in the morning at right. first? Yeah. And so we played uh, played a, just a, at least a couple songs um, at Kehillah Ariel in the morning, and then we we just divided some people over and played at a cajon, sat on the porch, and I think uh. Like, it was our farewell show, but we kind of didn't... There was a little bit of time where we didn't play before that show. Yeah, I think there was some... It had been a while since we played, and then... I think we and we had someone from the audience fill in on one of the songs, at least, on on drums. But usually we were, we were just playing uh, bass and acoustic guitar for the uh, for when we were playing in front of the house. Yeah. It was, it was fun. Just to uh, kind of... Like a fun event to have people over. I mean, like it was definitely like the, the most casual show we've ever done. <laughs> Pretty sure. It was our longest show. We played uh, 18 songs. Yeah. And so we had a break in the middle for food. And we we threw in some songs that were like half written, or that we'd never performed in front of people before. I know that was like a couple of them. One of the one of the fun things I remember. I remember we did Yay Sham, that uh, Steve McConnell cover. That was pretty fun. It's pretty, pretty yeah, straightforward cover. That was good. But, it was. I, I mean, I do think it it sounded a little different and maybe recorded sometime. But yeah, that was the only time that we've played that song. Yeah, there was like a couple other songs we were like still in the middle of writing, and we play like we're like okay, that's our one and a half minute version of that song. <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty. It was fun. So what did you do after the uh, after the concert was over? Like, where did you go? Um, so ba- basically, I was back up in the Bay Area, um, working on my teaching credential to teach English, and uh, up in the, my hometown of the San Francisco Bay Area, up in Sunnyvale, and that's kind of what was going on. I know we still had some songs that we were doing, but mostly, you know, it was like get busy at school. At one point, I was teaching and doing the credential program. Oh, cool. What were you teaching? Very busy. Uh, I taught AP language and composition and then in American literature while I was doing the credential program. So I was working many, many, many hours a week on that stuff. So obviously, you know, our, our songs are, are pretty biblical influence, I'd say. So, I mean, I would say that our songs are definitely biblical based. Um, maybe some of the older Netzer songs weren't, but the songs that I wrote and the songs that you wrote were, you could usually point to a direct passage of scripture. Um, did you have any other influences in some of your songs from literature or history? Oh, well, well, you know, you know, one specific, specific one, uh, was a uh, speaker for the dead came from the Orson, Orson Scott card book, the Ender's game sequel. One of, um, one of those sequels. So that title speaker for the dead. I like that, that, that idea. And then, um, I don't know. They, I think a lot of my inspiration does come when I'm reading something else and I, I get inspired and then, but I, I can't. I can't always pinpoint it. I'd have to think of specific songs. Okay. From from my writing, can't think of anything right now. Now besides "Speak to the Dead," which is the title. The title right. itself comes from a book title. Okay, so let's say out of the uh, final Netzer 
concert. How many of the songs carried over to new projects? Let's see. It's Speaker. One of the ones that we jammed on is we still haven't actually done anything with it officially recording. I, I don't know if we did anything from Voice and Light. Did we do? Do you, do you know if we played that riff at all? I don't think we you had that at the time. Is this the day, obviously? Um, wilderness. Trees of the Field. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, did we play I don't know then? Or we had some the riff from the from it. Oh yeah. The yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah, and I mean some projects that are still in progress after all these years that yeah, haven't been recorded yet. Yeah. So I'd say like five or six songs. Okay. Songs and elements. So how did it work with changing over to different projects? Like what's the what are were the new names for the bands and how um how did that come about? Well, it came about for a few reasons. Number one, I think because we we'd had the name Nedser for a while, and it kind of what what we were doing now was and like our our, our collaboration was a little bit different from what Nedser started out with. I think as as your youth band, and then plus we I think we were we had this idea of doing this epic like two album or really long journey through the Bible called Chronicles. Remember we were going through that, and it was going to start off in Genesis, yeah. and and then go through the scriptures, and I don't know where where it was going to end exactly, but and it was going to be songs that were hard, heavy, and the songs that were soft, and then and it was just going to be this big epic journey. Um, and then as we started to write the songs, we kind of realized I think they had there was a, a harder edge to it, and then there was there was like these softer songs and. Sometimes it makes sense to blend them the two together, but the way we were writing them, there was there wasn't enough continuum to to keep them on the same project, and plus it just gets confusing for an audience when you're like listening to this soft song and then it gets like a heavy song, and some right. people I think get some people get really intimidated by the heavy songs and then um, yeah, exactly. Those uh, I mean I think that you know people would. You know, some people would buy the songs or buy the CD and like only half, like half the songs. So that's part of the reason. Or yeah, and I think we did our best. Um, but I think Steadfast kind of showed the it almost kind of collapsed on itself a little because there's there was no way to get the transitions get transitions for everything. You just had to yeah kind of def- figure out that the CD was divided into parts. We didn't go necessarily go from really loud to really soft. We would have to go from like a soft song to a hard song, and then yeah. maybe work its way back down again, where we'd get mellow out as the as the songs go. I don't know for like listening. Like for me, when I go back and listen to those songs, sometimes it just depends on my moods. I can listen to the all of stuff fast straight through, but usually I'm either gonna you know, I'm gonna lean one way or the other. Where I prefer to listen to Shalishlam, Yerushalayim, and uh, Shabbat Menachah, or I'll prefer to listen to like Mental Toxins and Entropy, those type, those types of songs. And so, I think it's just as a, like a listener experience. <laughs> right, and then we also, and then in, uh, my reason, like there's a couple things. I mean, first, you know, in addition to different writing styles, um, you know, we have different singer now that. 
with you being the lead singer and me being like a secondary singer or yeah a backup so it, it sounds sounds different even though um you're still playing guitar and i'm still playing bass and then there's also uh you know with it being digital and stuff uh, search engine optimization uh, and yeah. that we're you know there's a lot of nets or stuff i mean nets are you know like you said it's a means branch um so there's a lot of biblical stuff that shows up which is is cool but um that also makes it a little harder to find us if you're searching on the messianic end mm -hmm. and yeah. then it's also you know just being branched and it's a it's an there's a it's a last name Netzer's a last name for some people so that shows up yeah and then it's also a mess with the uh with the other band that's named Nesser. Yeah, which I think, I mean, it's kind of cool because you get random people who stumble onto us, or I think there are people who stumble onto us because they're they're searching for one of the other Netzers, <laughs> and that's cool. But, I, I mean, at least we've, we've kept that, we've kept that, at least the Facebook going and the YouTube, those are still active, so people can, can still find Netzer, but I think the, the brand is, and the, like, the... It's it's more um, refined and clear what it is, like with the Pair Republic and the Trees Will Now. And I like those names, too. <laughs> yeah, um, why don't you just go over quickly, uh, well, let's just we'll concentrate on the Pair Republic for now. Um, so, what's the name, uh, what is the Pair Republic? The Pair Republic. What is the Pair Republic? You should do a search. Google search or um, some other search. No, uh, I think I think we, we, we did like the, the idea of branch and kind of playing off of that. And so we have like this, this fruit and the seed idea, which, you know, the pear. It's, it's like a, it's a piece of fruit and it branches off a nets or, or you know, uh, off of a tree. You showed me this, the Snopes.com entry for the Pear Republic. You said the check out this site. It's got it's kind of funny, and but it also there you know there could be like a serious side to it too, which if you people should go look up what is the Pear Republic, and it's the California flag having a pear on it instead of a bear, and then it was supposed to have a pear on it. Yeah, and that was that was a, a fake entry into Snopes.com. Yeah, and actually, um, one thing I, I noticed is in. That's the only time it comes. It came up, and besides, uh, you know, people linking to it, and that's an article that's like six or seven years old, or something like that, um, yeah. or even older than that. But uh, we're actually higher on Google for the Pay Republic now than the original article. It took us a little while to to do it, but both our band page and Facebook now show up before the uh, the Snopes article. Yeah. But it's still cool. I, I, I like the idea, you know, for one, like, we don't, we obviously don't take ourselves too seriously. We, we have a big joking side to ours. If, if people have ever seen your videos or, like, our Shabbat Shalom video, they know that we have a sense of humor about things. But then also, it's because it's, you know, Snopes.com is a website that they take internet rumors and things that are hearsay, they investigate them. And so, and they kind of say, okay, is this the truth or is this not true? And so I like that idea on the like on the other 
the other hand, where we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we will present to you with something that if you investigate it, maybe you'll find out that it's true. So <laughs> I, I thought that idea would work, worked well for, for us. If people get into the place where they listen to the music and then like they want to investigate it some more, I think that's cool. that's a cool concept idea. Yeah, and I think it works out. I mean, not to toot my own horn on that, but I also think that, you know, coming up with a... It, it lent itself well to a nice icon that was visible. I mean, I think that if we played live and um, had the kind of the fan base to do merch and stuff, that I think it would be a, a cool thing that would catch off. Catch, yeah. That would catch on. I, I, we never really had that for Netzer. Netzer is kind of a few half-hearted attempts at, at merchandise but or it was i think it was decent but it wasn't really focused yeah yeah and like the iheart messianic shirts that we made it's a i mean it's it's tough like we i think you like the folk having the focus on the messianic community it's people are kind of spread out and so and you meet you come together every so often yeah it's a, it's but, tough but it's also it's also interesting um and it's always hard to tell, like, uh, you know, you could say, like, oh, we're confining ourselves to such a small group, you know, a percentage of a percentage. I mean, it, I'd say, we're, I mean, we're the only proper messianic punk band currently in existence. Um, there's kind of, there was a youth group a while back that was doing stuff that was, that was pretty cool, but, and then probably the only grunge, like, there's, there is one other hard rock group, but... We're yeah, slightly different style than them, at least. They get a they get a little grungy. Right. They're, you mean you mean downpour? Yeah. Yeah. So they're, I mean, it's they're, the... they're more they have classic rock influence, but they do get some some like the uh, the classic rock grunge influence. I could say that you know we're a niche a music niche within a really small niche of people like segmented people. So, yeah. um, but on the other hand, you know if we were a Christian band, or if we were a secular band, it's tough to tell if we would have any sales. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I'll, I'll just share that. Um, so basically, it seems like uh, our revenue is probably about 60% from Messianics and 35% from Christians, and like maybe 5% just random secular stuff. Hmm. Yeah. I saw there. I saw the old. There's a, a review on uh, on iTunes a while back for the Netzer album for Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. So somebody just happened to randomly find. I think because they were searching for a band called Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> yeah, that's how I found out about it. Like that was you know years after release the album, and I and Aaron came up with the album album title and concepts for that, but he didn't uh, he didn't know about the band, and I don't think any of us. Did. So that's kind of funny that that there happened to be a metal band called Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, so. I think there's a there's a metal band called Speaker for the Dead. Or at least there was there was oh, one funny. for a little while. Yeah, I didn't even know that. That's that's news for me. There's also some kind of rock. There's a rock band called Steadfast, uh-huh. and I think we I don't know if we actually got any direct sales from it, but a few people came across mentioned oh, yeah. they came across the album while searching for that. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's good. I mean, I think that, you know, in our most popular songs on iTunes is clearly the 
the ones that are Messianic or Jewish covers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that we get some Jewish sales for those songs. But I bet you it's just that, you know, Messianics that see the see it will gravitate towards the songs they, they know. I mean, covers and all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's understandable. I mean, they, I think they like having different versions of the songs. So they might find other things that are, that are interesting to them, but at least okay. initially. Was well, there anything interesting doing the uh, process of covers? Um, I know that you're not as familiar with me with the original songs. Was it interesting trying to come up with a cover at the same time you were basically hearing the song for the first time? And how's that compare? Have you done covers before, like with previous music um, before Netzer? The nice thing about arriving at the song and then doing a cover at the same time is that you're not really attached to it in a in a way that's limiting, I, I would say. So there's kind of, I'd say there's a lot of freedom. I would, you'd hear the song and say, okay, what if what if I was writing this song? I took this basic melody, these progressions, but uh, I like like blessed be the Lord God. I'd only heard it a few times. I mean, and I liked it, and I thought it sounded great. But I'd heard it, you know, a handful of times as opposed to, like, regularly, at, you know, in worship. So I think for that, like, for that song, there's, there's a few more liberties to be able to to take that and then cover it. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes you want to go do a direct cover because the original is really cool. And then sometimes you want to change it up. And then other times you're like, if you're, you're going to just cover it the way it's already written, why cover it? Right. But, but I think like I think you and I kind of like said that about Yeshan. We have a version, but we're like uh, our version's like really close to the original. So should we make it harder or <laughs> what do we do? Yeah, and that's the thing is like I think we we streamlined it a, a little. Um, I guess it wasn't as obvious, um, you know, like Shabbat Menuch. So it was both Shabbat Menuch and Yeshan Adonai were by you know Steve McConnell, and they were. Um, upbeat piano songs, or at least the original recordings. It was designed like piano leading to worship. And I guess we were able to come up with something for Shabbat Menuchah by, you know, slowing it down and making it a reggae song. And yeah. Yishem just more transitioning, translating into to guitar versus, um, you know, uh, versus adding anything new. And... That's yeah. where it's tough. Um, we could do it, but then we're definitely putting it directly against the original recording. Yeah, exactly. Which that original recording is really cool. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's cool. He, I, he called his album by that name. And it's like, didn't he? Or didn't know it was Yeshua. But, but it's like the first track. Right, it is. Talked a little about covers. Um, how... Did recording change between uh, recording the last Netzer album, Steadfast, and recording the Pair Republic? Well, one of the big, I mean, the, the first initial big thing was the fact that we were separated by so many, so many miles. So we emailed back and forth. So just even writing and even writing the songs to begin with, we sent ideas back and forth and demos, and so some of the the ways that songs were written were like it might be if we were in the same room and you had an idea or I had an idea and then we bounced off each other. I think normally we, w we would have written songs within probably at least within a, a month or you know, maybe a couple weeks. 
maybe even a few days where we'd get most of the songs. But that would that would get slowed down because we were emailing it to over the course of a year sometimes. <laughs> King of the Universe Part Two. I think that song was written over like three or four years, right? Maybe three years. Yeah, it was uh, King of the Universe. Um, obviously, that was trying to write one song. I came up with the lyrics quite a, a while ago, and I had one idea to sing it, and I couldn't quite get it to work. I don't know how did how did that work? Did I just I forget? Did I? Because I eventually came up with, I guess, two separate versions. Yeah, well, I, I, there was like a heavy version we did back in the Netzer days, but then it was kind of I think we let that go like right away. It was, it was okay. We came up with it on the spot. But then you, later you, I think you came up with the um, the part one first. And then kind of just recorded a hum track over there. And I, I think I did a, like a version. I was able to get some cheap recording equipment and like the drum machine. And was able to, that, so that one was pretty easy. And then King of the Universe part two, you had like, you gave, you gave another hum track. And then... So we did a version of that. I did a version of that, but it was it felt kind of flat. And then I know you later emailed a video of you playing the bass line for like a couple of different riffs, and that changed up. And then later you even like you did another hum track with, with like some some of the more interesting riffs that got closer to what came up on the album, like the intro. For that, I would occasionally get riffs. In stuck in my head or just come up with riffs um, during long days and I would just kind of hum them to myself and eventually mm-hmm. I could you know put them together and things uh, that was good I th- think we were able to you know, be able to come up with some riffs and kind of help me throw out the the bad ones and then uh, put it together and then so then I just had to write some different lyrics you know the, for part one we had the music or we had the lyrics, and then it was finding music to fit it, and then, then we came up with a heavier riff that still wanted to use some of the, like the lyric theme, but then I, I just came up with some new lyrics, that you know were inspired by the music, which, doesn't usually happen for me at least. Yeah. Well, I liked I liked how like the first one was a little more Genesis, the Kings of the uh, King of the Universe Part One, and then Part Two was still. Still Genesis, but it also like included some of those um, Job and maybe even some Revelation themes, but but definitely definitely some Job and some other and some of the prophets. He added and Psalms kind of broadened it. Felt pretty cool. Cool. Well, um, and I know that you know you have to tell the story a lot because this is. I guess we always have the couple songs that we say, okay, these are the songs that we kind of intro, uh, where we tell a little bit of the story about it, but you want to just uh, go over quickly, kind of tell your story behind the uh, the song Adonai, which became our, our first video? Adonai came about, initially there was a, a song called, well, back in the day, there's this band called Spoken, and they have this song that, calls, that has this breakdown that goes, Oh God, I want to dance like David! <laughs> oh, God, I want to dance like David. And it just breaks down like that, and it goes, and it has this awesome riff on there. And and I, that, that was one, that's one of the few, like, hard hard rock songs where, like, in the middle of the song where I'm listening to it, I'm like, I'm moved into worship. 
And so I thought I thought that was a, like a cool cool concept. And then also there's I think we ended our varsity. Do you remember singing that song? When the spirit of the Lord moves Yeah, I really like that song. I will dance like David danced. And so I, I I wanted to combine those ideas. And so that that one that one is for the, like the chorus. It, um, it's, it's like the melody is pretty similar, uh, and like it includes when the spirit of the Lord it even includes that line for the Adonai. Eventually, change the 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 lyric. So I, I think I, I, at one point I was wanting to turn that other song into like a worship song, or in, into like a hard rock worship song because. You know, it's like cool and like rhythmic and stuff, but I thought also it'd be cool to maybe make it heavy. But then, uh, and then over the over the years, we were able to like come up with some new riffs and and, and some new lyrics. But yeah, I'd forgotten, uh, but there's that boom, do 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 do, and that was like a riff that we worked on. I think we even recorded it with Dan back in the day. Well, it, it was, yeah, part of, like, an instrumental thing, I think, or was that? Yeah. Like, some of the demos that were... Yeah, we never used it. I, I think there's one out there, but it was like... I think we might have used it live, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, I, re- I remember uh, originally when we were, you were talking about the song, I think I was pushing to have it on the, uh, on our, you know, the upcoming trees will know album instead of uh parapublic but oh yeah the the riff worked really well yeah i I could see that working i I, yeah i still like it on like the heavier side of it but it it could work for the it could work acoustically that's for sure okay well how did the uh uh violin come in we i think we wanted to we wanted to have or we were interesting interested in having some instrumentals at the beginning of it during the Actually, some of the idea, that idea for that, I think, I was thinking of the, the band Blindside. They have a song called Shakina that has some cool violin. And then I have my friend, and also violins, pretty, pretty uh, popular Jewish instrument. Uh, modern, modern Jewish music. Does a lot oh of yeah, that. the uh, uh, I think I don't know if they pronounce it Shakina or something. It's actually a Hebrew word. It's like Shekinah, like it's the. It's supposed to be the guttural stuff, I, but obviously yeah. that could be the translation or something. Have you heard that song? That she oh that yeah, song? definitely. I've uh, yeah, I've, I've heard that, and I've I've seen Blindside a couple times live. Yeah, that song was kind of like at least for the, like the mood of like the the early part of that song. I like that mood for that to put on on Otto and I for the intro at least, and then I'm I've. My, you know, we do. I think we've come across a few different violinists uh, over the years, and like this, this the, um, the guy who played on there was Ivan Ivan Lee. I know him from church, and he's a great, great violinist. And I just, you know, we had by that time, by the time we recorded him, I had we had the intro that I recorded with Christian and um, and with and with me over at the uh, studio, and we had like some basic beats. And then we just played it. We played him the track, and he. I just said, "Hey, Ivan, I'm going to set up a mic here. Listen to this about ten to twenty times, and just play play riffs as you as you feel like it. You know, just inspired by the mood, and have it like here are the basic chords that I'm that I'm playing. 
and so he and so he did that and then christian some of it some of it's a drag you know you can hear that there's layering of the violin and so it was it was a combination of like improv improvisation and then like together in the studio and i think we used almost every single take that he did because they all sounded good <laughs> so even though even though there are iTunes samples of violins out there, or not iTunes, like GarageBand samples, this is not a sample. This is uh, this is a live player. So. Yeah, I mean that is great. No, and it 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 sounds awesome, and that's a I think a, a highlight on the album and gets people's attention. I, yeah, you know, with Shekina, uh, it was kind of interesting with Blindside. That's that seems to be like the first song that like really draws people in, or when I see him live, that's like a, a highlight of their show. And I, I do see moments like that where you get the the one song that's really well written in a different genre. Uh-huh, um, yeah. So that's good. I, I think that, you know, obviously you try not to be the band that just has like a weird novelty thing on each track. <laughs> right. Yeah. We have a good, there's a couple other novelty moments on the... On the Pharaoh Public, though. <laughs> yeah, you I did. You did tone me down a lot um, on. Uh, I really wanted to do a lot of keyboard on uh, a Speaker for the Dead, and oh yeah, we cut out like ninety percent of what I recorded. Yeah, some of that was me. Some of that was Christian. Oh no, okay. It's... I mean, yeah, but yeah. I mean, some of it. But I think it's because some of their. I think you wanted to do like a, a dissonant, a lot, like judiciously dissonant thing right there at the end. Like an off key, like wah, 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 like some of that. I think he was, I think Christian had a hard time making it fit. But okay. it's, I, it still kind of sounds pretty cool. Okay, like, cool. It's uh, like, whatever, there was one of the keyboard moments, it, uh, it actually sounded, I know it wasn't a shofar at all, but it sounds to me like it, that, it, that it's a, a shofar blaring at the end. Uh, does, that, does it sound like that to you at all? And you listen to it? A little bit. Um, I think, yeah, it has the same kind of resonance, and it's a high-pitched note, and it's kind of the same two-note pattern that a shofar would do. Okay. Uh, that wasn't yeah. in- intentional on my part. I was thinking, um, it was kind of funny. Uh, so my dad likes uh, Beach Boys a lot. Yeah. His, Beach Boys are good. Oh, yeah, no, it, they're good. His favorite song is uh, "Good Vibrations," which I think I now it's my favorite song. I, I didn't really like it that much during the day. Yeah. But uh, I like Serpent Safari. <laughs> yeah. Basically, if you were to look at a Beach Boys video back in the day compared to ours, like even ours are higher tech now. Right. Like we have different angles, and I think we spent more time shooting them. <laughs> okay. What my dad would do is he would sing the uh or hum along with the uh the high pitch note in good vibrations like and i can't even do that yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so i was kind of going for an exaggeration of the original good vibrations kind of thing to oh that's funny for that um you know i wasn't doing (laughs) i mean it was you know it's keyboard so it's not a you know, not high tech or anything, but that that was cool, and that was typing on the keyboard. Okay, so obviously that was different, and you know, there's only three people recording on the album instead of five or something yeah. like that. How was it working with a click track for the first time for recording? Um, for recording, like which part? Or how was how was it 
mean, I'm, the point I'm going is a kind of steadfast based off of Justin's drums, but Justin was kind of based off of us, so it, the tempo would vary a little. Yeah. Versus we had everything, we had the beats per minute set on, on all the songs. Well, well, I, I, well the, the reason why I was asking is because the way I recorded with Christian is we'd come up with um, basically, like a lot of them, like I'd send him our, our demos. Here, so could, I, would, could I ask you a question? I'll, yeah. I'll rephrase the question. Because we, we, the way, yeah. Okay, so. I didn't actually, we just, we still, I did, I did still play with drums, though. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. so. Well, like, like, Trees of the, one of the funny things about this one is for, like, when we were just demoing, when I was demoing, like, should we use Christian? And I sent him the, this Trees of the Field, and that one, he actually recorded drums with, and then synced it up with the, with the guitar. The, these demo, this demo guitar that I did, and he played it live on there. So that song, he 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 recorded it, but just it just sounded fantastic. The, one of the big differences, is like I think with Justin, we had him as like kind of a member of the band, and we practiced with him for a month. With Christian, he was he operated kind of more of as like a a producer and a studio drummer at the same time. So I would. So he he would re-record drums after we would do it, but um, so for some of the like for a lot of the songs, like I'd kind of practice with him, and we'd play it two or three, two to five times, so he'd, so that he would know what the songs what's going on in the song, and then we would just like start recording his drums like sometime during those first few practices, and then we would either keep it or just throw it out. So he was, but he, he's. He's a fantastic drummer, and I think he used to play in some punk and ska bands back in the day, and he still plays worship. So he was able to pick pick it up really quickly, and he's incredibly fast as well. Yeah, with uh, Steadfast, I think, uh, at least at the time, it might have been me, my, you or, or me, it was probably me, but when we were playing live to lay the drums down, we would influence the track and, and subtly slow things down or speed things up through the recordings and then it would be too late to to fix things oh yeah okay yeah, christian i think the one one of the things that christian did add and it was good for the pair republic specifically but he there's some really fast drum fills that are in there and that's and like a lot of drum fills that he's just he's just aggressive drummer he's fast he's fast and quick and it's i think uh like justin probably has like a like a pop Popular sensibility and Christian has more of like a punk rock sensibility. That's or metal, even metal sensibilities too. Okay, so just quickly, um, or what was it like recording the song "Man of Peace"? <laughs> that was awesome. Actually, I really like our demo came out pretty quickly. So like we once we had a few different versions of it, I had it like written down because I think it was the same kind of process over a few a few months or weeks of. You sending demos and then me sending me is sending back guitar lines and then then with him I like we just we were like okay and be in between a couple other songs I think we did like one or the other we did King of the Universe and then like right after that we're like okay we have this 30 second song let's just try to bang it out as fast as we can <laughs> so the whole thing probably took about five minutes to do the just the drums and then redoing the guitar part just didn't take that long at all it was that was pretty fun. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely happy with how that came out, and I'm fine that that's one of the songs that will sound different live, and I'm fine with yeah. both the live and the recorded versions. 
Every, that's probably one of the best, like, straightforward demos, demo tracks that we did, like, were, like, just were, the, like, the live track that I did with Christian, where it was, like, it, we just hammered it out, and it sounded cool. It's hard to duplicate, so. Oh, cool. Um, well, we'll, we'll take a break and continue this interview soon, but, um, in closing, um, where can you get the Pear Republic album? Pear, uh, what, what do you think would be the best place? Like CD Baby? Yeah. Yeah. And then we're also on iTunes and Amazon, etc. Cool. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Facebook.com slash The Pair Republic and YouTube.com slash The Pair Republic. Once again, I'm interviewing Mark Erickson. As an update, since we recorded this interview, we did perform a couple times and we recorded some demo songs for The Trees Will Know. The EP that we released has the name The Trees Will Know. You can stream or download this when you go to thetreeswillknow.bandcamp.com or you can click on it on facebook.com slash thetreeswillknow. It's free to listen to and is only $2 a copy. At the start of this, I missed recording the beginning of a question where we were talking about recording software and equipment. Now for the interview with Mark Erickson. That's a program that's like, like Pro Tools, but you can, you can download it for free. Audacity, and uh, so that, that helps you mix it if you don't have any other like mixing software. It's um, and so I would say use that, and then also go go to Guitar Center is where I went, or wherever wherever the, the studio is, or maybe even the Line Six website. But the Line Six has this. Uh, I think it's okay. I need to let me look it up just for a second. Okay. It's called the the Line Six. Mine's it's, there's like a it's. it's this GX and it says Tone Direct monitoring, and it came with the software that you just plug it, you, like you install the software, and so you you plug um, plug your quarter inch cable into this into this, and then it uh, it it takes the the raw feed from your guitar or you know or, or from your your mic and or your bass whatever it may be. And it'll it'll use that raw feed, and then all the amps are done digitally on the computer with software. And so it'll take the real vibrations that you are playing, but uh, it'll add the effects on top of those. So then one of the great things about it is that you can take the same track and have a version of like that strumming that you do, that that picking that you do, and there will be like like a lot of echo on that effect or reverb you know some type of reverb and then you could also do and you know put another effect on the same initial track double it up and do clean or do a distorted tone and you can layer layer guitars really easily and then you just do a couple different layers and so we we, we did a lot i did a lot with that with with christian where you played played around and i because i had the same software that he did i just said okay i like these tones and so he gave him like two or three tones 
it's pretty sweet. Uh, if, if, I, if I knew the line six specifically the software, but it's, it was like 120 bucks. So it's, I would say it's worth that one was worth the investment for me easily. It's like buying ten different. It's like buying ten different really nice amps. <laughs> wow. So, okay. Yeah. What about pedals, or is it just um, clicking on a mouse to to change over? Yeah, it's the cl- clicking on the mouse. I mean, you you can you can buy pedals, and it's really to you know to to a person's choosing how they want to do that. And whatever whatever type of setup works best. If you if you if you needed to do it live, then you'd have to change over using a pedal. Or if you wanted to have like a wah wah, like we didn't have wah wah. That's right. Okay, so, so, so I know that when we played live, um, because of travel concerns, you I mean you definitely didn't you didn't take an amp. You just did the computer and you loaded everything up and then you changed between songs. Do you ever see? Do you, do you think I could get a point for you personally where you would have? like a computer front and center, obviously visible on a stage that it's part of the uh, performance like uh, electronic artists do? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I get, yeah, I guess I guess if it was like a like specific... Uh, the, the one thing is you don't want to have like the technology get in the way of the show. So uh, as long, as long, if the te- technology like helps feed into the show, then I would say, well, that's good. And then... I would, I would certainly like to play like a techno artist, play around, but a lot, a lot of that's like. So it'd been a, quite a long time since we played live, and then we heard about AMF, which is the Asheville Music Festival, uh, Messianic uh-huh. Music Festival, in North Carolina. Um, what was your experience coming out to play for AMF? Well, that was pretty cool. Uh, I mean, it, it sounds like it's like a kind of like a once in a lifetime or once in once in a movement event so uh, i i enjoyed that a lot um i mean obviously like hanging out in chicago and playing columbus on the way and doing all that was fun but being being in the camp even though it rained a ton while we were there uh, i think i think it was a good time to to connect with like a bunch of uh messianic musicians around and have uh you know have the rabbis there just like hanging out and enjoying the music and not not having to like be in charge necessarily and so i thought i thought they did a good job and there's like a there's a wide range it's partially a dig against us but it's also our choice to do concerts independently when was the last time we did a concert that we weren't the organizers I don't know. <laughs> okay, so it's been a while, but that that was I hadn't even thought about that, you know, necessarily. Yeah. But I get that was a nice change. You organized Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and Chicago. I mean, it's probably the like the the Messianic conferences, right? Yeah, I think the last one was probably the Messianic conference in San Diego, which we yeah didn't really mention. That was no nah. a while. That was ago. good though. Yeah, so I think I've been three years or something, but yeah, it was also good in that it was, you know, and I think it's nice not to, not to always be like the main band or something. No, I mean, that, I think you really do like broaden your exposure by meeting up, by playing with other, other bands and playing with groups. Even, I mean, even 
and when we played in Chicago, even though you organized it and it was your synagogue, uh, playing alongside Navi and alongside uh, Ashira, you know, I think it broadens it broadens the exposure for your fans, your fans and people who haven't heard it before. Right. Yeah. But you know, I'll, and I also just enjoyed seeing everybody else at AMF too. That was pretty cool. Cool. So yeah, I mean, even though we weren't the the main band and stuff, we still had a huge audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the biggest audience I've ever played in front of. <laughs> By R- far. Right. I I estimate. Um, well, they had over. I, they had eleven hundred paid attendees. And you don't know if they were there for all three days. Um, but I would say that there's probably 700 people in listening range, at least, of our music. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably at least 700 within within the listening range. And then many of those people were, in fact, paying attention to the stage, at right. least at some level. <laughs> right. I, I think we did get attention, and there's... There were some nice crowd participation within that. How were the songs similar or different to the studio recording? I would say, like, generally they were probably slower. Except for middle is, like, five times faster live. Obviously, Raw High is pretty similar. I would say, I don't know, it's maybe grungier, less punky live. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think we kind of, we take off the gas just a little to... Uh, uh, have a, a wider appeal on on the live yeah. recordings. So, like, I don't know, like, the riffs, the basic riffs come across as, like, heavier, but, like, the chorus is, is not as, like, punchy and yelling in your face live. So, like, the, the basic riff, like, the intro is, like, kind of just hardcore punk, but... Uh, cool. Um, so we played Saturday afternoon uh, towards the end. Were you able to... Or did you have any personal favorites among the bands that were playing live, or a favorite incident talking to someone uh, off stage? Hmm. That's uh, yeah. Um, well, I'd have to think about in terms of like the talking to people off stage. Um, I know what like the like the my favorite probably my favorite shows were Min Um They yeah, they were just they were really good. And then I, I really enjoyed seeing Hazakim. I went and bought their album after that, um, and I, re- I really enjoyed the Hazakim album. They're even like they've even improved from when we we saw them in the Messiah conference when we played with them uh, a few years back. So, and that, those guys those guys flew in that day. I remember like uh, saying, "Hey, glad you could like." As we as they were walking around, I said, "Hey, glad you guys could make it." Um, because we weren't, nobody was sure if they were going to be able to. Uh, I think they drove in or whatever. But uh, but that was cool. And then uh, I mean, sing. I liked seeing Navi too, seeing them because we saw them in Chicago and then they played with them in Chicago. And then I liked seeing them on the stage. I uh, mean, I like the mix of like the small, the big, all of it. Messi had a has a cool name and cool T-shirts too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, messy, which is uh, kind of it's worship with like some electronic elements. Um, I still, I, it's it's a little hard to tell because it, 
they don't really have much in the way of recording, so it's a little hard to tell from that one, you know, twenty minute concert what the yeah. what their exact sound is like, but that was uh, pretty cool and like those guys. I mean, like Alberta K, she you know she performed, um, she was cool, you know, like everybody everybody has their own little like own little thing. There's one of the one of the cool things about this about the show is that. It's it is like a it's like a worship conference, right? So it's not just like concerts. So everybody everybody has like something to offer in terms of like worship, you know what I mean? Like and like and as like a as a fellow believer, I think you can you can learn from everybody just from like their their musical styles and their their talent, but also like their their hearts and their approach and the way they share themselves on stage. I think I think I appreciated that as well right no it's it encouraging it was great to see you know some worship bands being involved and it, it wasn't a traditional worship conference and that they would you know alternate worship bands and have it you know be heavy on the the powerpoint slides and then singing along and then the the speakers um i think they had they just had the one message as part of the uh shabbat service but then the rest was letting the music and the the speakers you know, speak for themselves. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, there's quite a range of of people that are doing different things. You know, some some people are like a lot of people are like us. They just do you know when they can. Like down the downpour guys, that was that was cool to talk to them. They they talked about how they they try to they they try to go and play in bars um, because and bring bring the light bring the gospel to to bars even though even though it's like a sometimes a difficult spot but i, I remember you know talking talking to the the down downpour vocalist main uh main guitarist and he was sharing his about his heart for, for doing that also um ron klein was that was fun to because we played with him in columbus it was really cool to hang out with him during the weekend he's kind of my go-to guy for his wife <laughs> Because, because I, I, I mean, I know some people, but, um, you know, he's one of the people who I, I knew a little better than just because I'd met him before. <laughs> right. And he, he's, yeah, a very friendly guy. And your family, your family too, obviously. I hung around you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, excellent. Yeah, and I've, it does seem like it's going to be, it's, there seems like there might be events that are like it. Uh, but it does seem like it's a unique, at least once in a, I, I think that it's going to be the best Messianic concert event of the decade. That's my, my guess. I think that there might be some better things and I think that eventually, and I think maybe the, there might be like full tours and a yearly thing, but I, I think that this will, that AMF will stand the test of time. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I could see them doing, like, somewhere, like, in, like, a, having, a, having a, like, a synagogue host, like, a, like, a bigger event than they typically do. Right. I don't know. What yeah. do you, like, but, like, maybe, probably not of the, the scale of AMF. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's really impressive if you think about the logistics they got to pull that all together. So. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, and I think that, for example, the... The UMJC or the MJA 
can throw together concert stuffs for, you know, as part of the conferences and even with getting people there already, um, it seems to top out at about six or seven bands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's even um, not with a full sound and video system that the AMF had. Would you like to talk about either, uh, yeah, quickly uh, making the Auto Knife video or making the King of the Universe Part One video? Oh, um, I'll talk. Okay, we can talk about both. Um, I'll talk briefly first about King of the Universe. Sure. And that one, that one, just like there's a, there's like you. You kind of you showed me some of the the, the videos, Creative Commons videos that you can find on archive.org. So I found a I found one that I thought that would fit with the with the sound of King of the Universe and try to try to show the story of kind of like creation. <laughs> show it a little bit, um, and then it has it has some airplanes in it, which I think looks cool. <laughs> yeah, those and, are it's archive.org has free videos to download. You have to make sure that the People can put stuff free to download, but not necessarily free to remix. So you have to make sure you find the the right types of videos. But there's stuff to use. Um, so I had previously I showed you kind of the idea, and I had come up. I wasn't the first person to do it, but kind of the first person in the group to you know social circle to make videos with that. But I think you yeah. you take it off, and you've done a, a few videos like that. Yeah, I like well, I, I like this one just because it was art artwork, and it's kind of like I like. I like cartoons, right? So, and it works for a two-minute story. So, it's it's really just something to keep your eyes interested while you're while you're listening to the music, and it, it adds like a little flavor, rounds out the song, I think a little bit. So that's that's all I was looking to do. Just it's a good, it's a fun way to share share. Like, I'd rather watch a, a music video online than just listen to a song. Sometimes I just will like to listen to a song, but I think for sharing, it's, people are more interested in videos sometimes. That might not be as good as if we had a full budget to shoot a music video for that song, but right. at the very least, it's a lot better than than the videos on YouTube where it's just a, a static image or a few static images. So it's it's much yeah. more watchable than that, and it's enjoyable on its own. And, and it's also doing something that neither of us have the technical ability to do animation. No, no, exactly. I mean, even that, and that's, this is like really old animation. Yeah. So, but it's, it's fun. I like, I like, I, I also felt like it was like maybe a tribute to um, old animation styles, which are pretty much out of. Like you, you're not gonna, nobody's gonna make it. Oh, I think like it's that. just old and stuff. I, I actually yeah. was recently watching. I actually watched the Star Trek animated series. Oh yeah. And before I watched it, everyone is everyone is super critical of the animation style. They said like it was super low budget and and things like that. I think that, but I think watching it, there was some stuff that was uh, they obviously used reused some shots over and over, but yeah. the quality was actually pretty high, especially compared to like some of that stuff some of the really old stuff they could have really done it super cheap this it wasn't bad i mean and especially if you only watch one episode you don't notice that they reuse you know close-up they reuse a lot of close-ups on people between episodes and Spock or something (laughs) right exactly that's exactly what i'm thinking about there's this one have you seen it no 
Okay, so that's that's exactly what I was thinking of. There's, it's not as obvious with the rest of the crew, but there's this one cutaway of of Spock, looking at the computer and reading, like just reading off the computer. Yeah. They just reuse that over and over again. Well, it, I just I was just imagining as Spock because of I mean his emotional range that he shows. Oh yeah, yeah. Is not, it's not not even that strong, or yeah. that wide to begin with. Also, so. the soundtrack. If they <laughs> if you add up the twenty. If you add up the twenty episode soundtrack, yeah. it's probably twenty five minutes worth of music. Oh, okay. So yeah, but but what I was saying is that you know that that was I'm sure that was a little hokey even for even for back in the day. Like I don't think it was yeah intentional. But that's kind of the trade off, and that's you know an industrial film, and it's also the benefit is those are those are the films where they don't bother to renew the copyright. Yeah, exactly. I mean. I mean, really, it's like this is the idea of juxtaposition too. That's that's yeah. the idea that I, I like. What if you can just juxtapose a couple things, and if it's new, if they've never been juxtaposed or like put side by side, then and then if you're doing it for the first time, then it's I don't know. Then it's interesting, at least to me, maybe not to other people. Hopefully, it is. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, I, yeah, and I don't know if better animation would necessarily made a better video, so. And it's it's good. It's also with a simpler video. There's, you can get more ideas out of it. Like you can use it for something different than. Like we can yeah. reinterpret it easier. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we could. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, the trees. Will know. Okay. Cool. So, um, so obviously we we split up uh, Netzer into the Pair Republic, and then also the trees will know. So, what is the trees will know? What is the Trees Will Know's name, origin, and what type of music is the Trees Will Know? Well, again, it comes from that idea um, well, that once the nets are ended, that we wanted to, like, if we could, incorporate the idea of the branch and, like, the seed idea or something. So right. having, having having the name the Trees, you know, having that will go into that. But then also you... And I, we, I think we kind of we kind of looked at a couple different passages of scripture, but like nothing was clicking. But you you found something in Ezekiel, uh, right? What yeah. Was, what was the what's the Ezekiel passage? Uh, the let me one? let me see that out. I'll have to find that out on. Uh, yeah. Oh, let me see. It is Ezekiel, but let me see. Uh, I'll just pause this 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 recording. I'll just get pause. So like Netzer, it's another messianic prophecy. Um, instead of so the trees um, will know is talking about that the trees, which is representing the people of Israel, will know that uh, who the Messiah is. Basically, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you have? Do you have the exact scripture? Yeah. Say? If you want to look it up, it's uh, the last paragraph, Ezekiel seventeen twenty-two through twenty-four. Yeah. Do you, can you read that phrase? Sure. Um, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will take a shoot from the top, from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from the topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in, this, in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the forest will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree 
grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. So I had a, a couple things. First, that definitely reminded me of a, a passage in Luke that I studied in university. So mm. that, that reminded me of that and, you know, obviously so, you know, I definitely associated university with you, so that was an added bonus. And then I was looking for things, you know, related to trees and it's it was cool that it's, you know, talking about a very similar messianic prophecy to the to what we use for Netzer without it being the same. We're not actually using the term for the Messiah, but we're using uh, basically a phrase about it. Yeah. I like the idea of, like, this, it's kind of, for me, like, listening to the, like, just saying the name, the trees will know. It's like a, it's kind of a peaceful name. Just like, like, and it's like a simple, like, you, like, the trees will know. And there's like, there's sturdiness to it as well, because it's like trees. Right, and it's, it's cryptic, so it, it, people would want to know the meaning, but it's also, but, and then it's also in, in English, which I, I do think I'm fine with now for a messianic band, but, so that there, you can get some meaning out of it, but then you'll. You might want to, you can look in further if you want. Yeah. What have we done so far with The Trees Will Know, and what kind of songs, I guess, what have we done so far as far as performing as The Trees Will Know, and what kind of songs are we doing? Well, that's a good question. I mean, you could say that some of the stuff that we did with Netzer at the end, that when we were just playing softer stuff in synagogues, that's that was kind of like The Trees Will Know. But I don't, besides that, I don't, like what would you say that we have? I would. We've used the name "The Trees Will Know." Have we done anything? Uh, not officially. I, I think that we. Uh, it was kind of interesting. So some of the songs, we haven't officially done anything with "The Trees Will Know," as in we haven't done a "Trees Will Know" concert, but yeah. we have basically borrowed some songs from "The Trees Will Know." Yes, exactly. <laughs> Like is this, we probably we probably have played is this the day, I would say at least like somewhere between like seven and ten times maybe. Well, it's got to be the low end, I think. I think we played it every every concert since two thousand seven. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So even more more than that. So we played it, is this the day quite a bit, and then wilderness we played a few times. Um, and we've played some form of Generations a few times. Usually it's like a jam. And um, we played, I know we, we did at your synagogue, and maybe probably a couple other times, like The Lord Has Done Great Things. Yeah. So we did that a couple times. Um, what else? Okay, well, <clears> what, <throat> is the, what has been the reception for the first couple songs that we've played? Basically, Is This Day, Wilderness, and The Lord Has Done Great Things. Well, they like it, uh, which is which is nice. Uh, people people tend to clap along to "Is This the Day," and then because they're clapping during the song, they usually clap at the end. <laughs> and it's a pretty tight song. Um, and then what wilderness is and great things. Um, people usually, you know, they like them. They're kind of like the softer, um, but about the Lord's faithfulness. So I don't know. I like the reception. Sometimes I feel like it's almost better reception for those songs. What do you think? Right, I do think so. I think that, well, it, it helps. I mean, if we're bar, if you know, if we're doing a Pair Republic concert, we're doing you know eight songs from the Pair Republic, and then we're borrowing two songs from, you know, the Trees Will Know. So we'll borrow the best songs. So yeah, that's something. That, and we'll have to see. 
you know, off to sea on this. Um, I think partially, you know, not to complain and stuff, but partially, you know, finances are some of the reasons why we don't have, um, why the trees will know it doesn't have an album yet, but we'll we'll see, you know, which is, I mean, I I guess part of the idea is that we can, you know, record some songs and release under two different bands and we can see which is, we can see which works and maybe we'll, do you think maybe there'll be more of an emphasis on the one that's, you know, more popular and better received and sells better, but... Yeah. Hopefully, at least, ideally, I'd, I'd I'd shoot for just having one band do well enough that it supports the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think like the trees will know is one of the nice things about it. it fits in with what's the rest of what's going on in messianic music. It's a little it's a little closer to that. So, and, and in terms of like, um, like it's it's a little easier to show up and play. Um, Play like a worship service or play afterwards with that, uh, but uh, but uh, <clears throat> but I mean obviously like I, I don't think we'll ever fully get away from our punk and hard rock roots. <laughs> okay. But yeah, with uh, you know, so with the trees will know. Um, I'd say that you're writing the majority of the music, um, not the songs necessarily but at least the majority of the the music part of the songs um what would you say is some of your influence for that um well playing like kind of mentioned in the, in the original netzer interview like playing worship back in the day and some of the match 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 uh, matchbox 20 and like coldplay material from from that from like back in the day so i would say that's that's probably a big influence and I mean, there's still some like mid '90s alternative um, that, that I think that that influences my like the way I play acoustic guitar. Okay, well, I I think we'll wrap up. Um, basically, you know, it's hard to tell in the future, and this is this podcast episode is going to go up quite a bit later than when we actually recorded it. Um, yeah. Can you just go for a minute? I I need to step aside for a minute, but could you just kind of go over where to find information about the trees will know okay you want me to just yeah. say it? yeah just okay. say it for a second okay so the best place to find out is on facebook.com and you know right now actually well a lot of what we're doing is we if you go to the Netzer page then you could probably um you could probably link to it, but if you if you do, just go to facebook.com slash the trees will know. You'll find us there. So people are still finding out about it, and we'll still be connecting and putting up more images there. So, but that would be the best. That'd be the initial place to go to find out and to connect with us. Hello. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Which song? Would you like to play at the end of this part of the podcast? Oh, this one? Sure. Uh, that's a good question. I'll say either Shelter or Blessed Be the Lord God. Sure. Yeah, I'll do Shelter at the end. We'll play the song Shelter at the end of this recording. Was it significantly harder to record this song than the other songs, and how was the process of writing the song? 
Well, the process of writing it was, I mean, a lot. That one was written, like I think, at, at your parents' house, where initially, like, like a lot of the, the basic riffs came together. Actually, like, so some parts of it I wrote on my own, and then some parts of it were like us jamming. A lot of it was us jamming together. Like, I, had, I think I had like three different riffs, and then we just kind of smushed them together to create a song. But then we jammed on it a lot, and I think. We did a we did a live a few times where we just played the riff. We didn't even have the song lyrics, and then the la la di da la di da, which actually that got that even got switched over to Amir Sarah High, but um, they, it turned into the outro. The most difficult part of recording the song was this and and Man of Peace were basically played entirely live all the way through because shelter is such a long song i think it was just best to just like jam it out with with christian and then so we had to go back and that was the, the typical part is that we didn't play with a click and and then so we had to we had to change up the uh, outro and then also like some of the guitar riffs in the beginning so that took a while but oh it's good to talk to you all right you too okay yeah. bye all right bye